Hi, I'm Elisa Preston. You're listening to Praise Through It Together, our summer 2021 series that is a community extension of what I normally do solo on my podcast, Praise Through It. In this space, I always hope to encourage you. I hope to help you see an old burden in a new way and to help you see the light that inevitably shines in your daily grind. Today's conversation is with another real-life friend of mine, Robin. She and I have known each other for several years. Uh, We worked at two different schools together when I was still a school counselor. She was the educational technologist at both schools. And I asked her on here today to talk about being the mom of a child with different needs. And she definitely does that and so much more. I love her perspective on everything. I love hearing her gentle, sweet spirit come through the microphone. And I know you will too. So here is my conversation for today's Praise Through It Together with my friend Robin. Well, hello, Robin. How are you doing today? I am great. Thank you. How are you? I am well. I'm so happy to see your face. We've known each other for... Since 2014. Thank you. So can we do (laughs) math? Seven years. Yeah. So we've known each other for seven years, worked at two different schools together. Um, And so can you tell us a little bit about yourself? And then I'm going to tell everybody why I asked you to be here today. Okay, sure. Hi, everyone. My name is Robin Eaton. I am a 47-year-old mother and wife and um, an employee, a teacher uh, with the Dodea school system, which is where we met. And so I was a classroom teacher for 15 years. And for the last eight years, I have been out of the classroom serving students and staff with all of things related to technology. So that's me professionally. And then I also teach children in China, English. And that's for me for the last two years. I started that when my daughter left the house and went to college. And that just kind of gave me something to fill that void a little bit. And it also helps pay her rent. Oh, that's helpful. So I have a 20-year-old daughter, Maggie, and I have a 17, almost 18-year-old son, Sam. I am married to Chris, and he is a firefighter. That's me in a nutshell. I'm also a dog mom. I love my dog. (laughs) Yes, you do. Uh, You have, you serve your students beautifully, graciously, and patiently is what I wanted to add there. Um, Rarely have I, did I come into contact in my 10 years in education uh, with someone with as much patience and grace as Robin. So that's one of the reasons she's one of my favorite people. I asked her here today, I asked you here today. I can just talk to you. Um, I was scrolling Instagram as we all do. And I came across this beautiful picture of you and your son, Sam. And I thought, oh my gosh, that is such a beautiful story that I've been hearing about since 2014. You didn't mention that uh, any more details about Sam. You just said that he's almost 18, but there is a very special story there. So can you share a little bit about parenting Sam and we'll go from there. Oh, thank you. I, that yeah. makes me very happy. Um, I have a public entity to share with the world, but I am very forthcoming with my friends mm-hmm. and I'm very proud. My children are my greatest accomplishments. I, I Not that I made them, but mm-hmm. I was gifted with them. And that responsibility is something that I value and mm-hmm. it just made me so proud. So mm-hmm. Sam, um, 
Sam was born um, full term, healthy pregnancy. Everything was great. I loved being pregnant. I loved giving birth. That whole process to me, I would do it over and over and over again. Loved it. At birth, um, the first thing that was unusual, which is just interesting, is he was born um, completely in the call. He was completely intact. The whole um, the whole em- embryonic sac was was there. He was born fully and you know they had to pop the bubble so okay. um that was interesting had nothing to do with anything it was just very interesting like old wives tales um say that he will never drown that he is going to be an excellent swimmer okay. um, and, he, and he is he is a okay. great swimmer he's very buoyant that was just interesting <laughs> um but he was born um at birth and immediately they noticed his feet he had very deformed distinctly deformed feet very interesting very cute um but they were shaped like little c's and so that was a physical obvious change something to expect and he had a heart murmur a pretty significant heart murmur which in the long run turned out to be probably the least of our worries it closed itself up within the first year Um, but it did set the stage for a lifetime of visits with different types of specialists so we started right off the rip with cardiology and orthopedics and cardiology was just monitoring it and that was fine um, orthopedics started off right away with um, castings and orthotics and the talks of surgeries and will he ever walk? Will he ever be able to bear weight? We don't know. Yeah. And so that was an interesting couple of um, well years, <laughs> but those first few new baby days, um, we didn't do a baby shower when I was pregnant with him. We had one like after it was a meet the baby. We didn't know um, the sex of either baby. That's just such a miracle. Okay. We didn't want to know. It was mm-hmm. just a surprise. And so we had a meet the baby shower. And uh, he had already started his castings and bag after bag after bag, loved the gifts, but we had baby socks and footed sleepers and all these things that were precious, but they didn't fit this baby. This baby couldn't put socks on. We couldn't get his little chunky cast legs through anything with feet. And so there was that kind of ouch, like Mm -hmm. awkwardness of like, oh, thank you so much goes away. (laughs) Save those for another baby. Um, And then at 10 months, um, the well baby visit at 10 months, everything had been pretty good up until then. And at 10 months, it was like, um, Robin, can your baby do this? No, this, no, this, no, 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 no. Are you concerned? No, I I wasn't. He was just a fat, happy, smiley, drooly (laughs) baby and the light of all of our lives. And And, still um, so smiley. Yes, very and the doctor came in and said, my nurse says you're very concerned about your baby's development. <laughs> and I was like, um, no, but I think she is. And I, I guess mm-hmm. you are too. And so at 10 months of age, we began um, seeing different types of doctors and different types of therapists. And so for the last 17 years now, he'll be 18 mm-hmm. at the end of this month, um, we started our journey with pretty much every physician you can think of, really. If it ends in an ist, you probably know. <laughs> and um, it turns out he has a lot of unusual things, kind of like being born completely in case. I mean, it's unusual. He's mm-hmm. got genetic disabilities that nobody else has, mm-hmm. stuff that doctors don't know anything about. And I don't fault them for not knowing about it because mm-hmm. he's the only one. It's not something that they're going to research. It doesn't impact as a whole Mm -hmm. it's just one and um and that's okay Mm -hmm. but at the time when you're getting these diagnoses of like here's what you got we don't know anything about it that's um terrifying it's very intimidating and 
the internet can hurt those dreams, mm-hmm. <laughs> like mm-hmm. looking things up and trying to piece together puzzle pieces that nobody has an answer to. There is no piece mm-hmm. that's going to fit. Um, made for some really interesting and trying and stressful days, the, the early days of getting diagnoses. He has other disorders. The, the feet continue to be an issue throughout his life. The feet have been something significant. Um, his muscle tone is pretty much non-existent when he was early on. Mm-hmm. And that is not a disease in itself. It's a mm-hmm. symptom of other things. And, okay. um, having low muscle tone is um, hypotonia. And so his tone was so low. That's why he drooled because he just couldn't keep his mouth closed to keep oh, the drool inside. And that's why his tongue uh, wouldn't form words the way that um, babies normally would. So we didn't get the babbling that most babies got. We just got smiles and uh, drool. Okay. And eventually that turned into realizing that he didn't have the uh, muscle support to hold himself upright. So he could sit, mm-hmm. floppy sit, right? Like a okay. tripod or a W sit, but he needed devices to get himself upright. And so standing, there was no standing. That meant there was no walking. Crawling was was iffy. And so occupational therapy, physical therapy, and speech therapy all became regular occurrences in our life. So three times a week, we were at therapy clinics and we've done that forever. Uh, When he turned three, he got school-based therapies in addition to private therapies. And Mm -hmm. We had multiple devices when he was a toddler. We had different equipment that would come into the house. Um, one was called a stander. Reminds me of Hannibal Lecter being like strapped and rolled into the, like the mm. he had this literally looks like that was this big wooden device in the house. And we would mm. strap every piece of him to it just to be able to learn those muscles, to learn how to bear weight and to be upright. And because of the foot deformities, he didn't stand. He, he, balanced on like the outside okay. toes. Yeah. Um, and those morphed into different um, types of walking devices. So you think of a mm-hmm. traditional baby walker, you just throw the baby in and away they go. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't have those kinds of walkers. He had much more um, medical types of walkers mm-hmm. and we would wean him from one type of device to something with a little less support, a little mm-hmm. less. And then finally he walked out of a traditional anterior and posterior walker behind you walker he just oh, went okay. go and, and and walked that was phenomenal how old was he, he when that happened he was almost three okay we had um speech we still have speech issues so mm-hmm. one of his most obvious disabilities is a condition called speech apraxia mm-hmm. and so he has words in his head can't necessarily process them to get them out mm-hmm. people who have a stroke they can also develop apraxia from that stroke. Hmm. You don't doubt that they know it. They just can't get it out. Okay. And so he knows a lot more. His receptive language is much stronger than his um, expressive language. Mm-hmm. Um, but he does have intellectual disabilities as well. So there are things that he doesn't know and mm-hmm. they don't make sense to him. But he is 100% smarter than most people give him credit for. Mm-hmm. Um, and if he was capable of expression more clearly... Um, I don't think there would be as much doubt about his intellectual mm-hmm. ability. Yeah, sure. um, and so it also like fine motor, he can't write, typing is complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, his speech is good enough now through again, years and years and years and years of therapy that mm-hmm. he relies on like speech to text. They'll play the text back and hear it and yeah. determine whether or not it's good enough to mm-hmm. hit send 
right? <laughs> it may yeah, not be perfect, it. but it was yeah. a good enough. Yeah. Well, people understand. And the speech came, I mean, that took longer. We, I was mama, my husband was dada, mm-hmm. my daughter was Mimi for Maggie, but before Mimi, it was just, um, he, he would comb long hair for her. Okay. Our dog was Baba, so he would, uh, his name was Connor, but we eventually got Vava, which he would sign. Okay. So we went from using sign language mm-hmm. to little picture cards called pecs where you would he would mm-hmm. pick up the picture of a banana and hand me the banana and I would mm-hmm. sign banana and I would say banana and okay. hopefully we would get something back verbally but if okay. not he got the banana because sure. <laughs> whether he signed yeah. it gave me the picture or said nana whatever he was communicating communicating yeah sure and what I what I hear in all these things that you're saying is one problem solving day after another and kind of blindly, right? So like whether your season of a piece of equipment lasted for two weeks or whether your season of that equipment lasted for two months or you know even a year or more, when it was done, it was done. And you did it, did you try to like anticipate when he was starting to move out of it so you could problem solve the next phase? Or did it ever happen overnight or? No, nothing, nothing, nothing happened overnight. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Everything took some time and, mm-hmm. and it's hard. It, it is still hard. And it was hard to know, even with ourselves, right? With typical development day-to-day things, do I really have it or do I kind of have it, right? Like, does he really have that mastered? Is it time to try something less restrictive or will we be moving too fast too soon? So there's still kind of a guessing game. There definitely was a guessing game then. Um, and anticipating improvements I, I've quit doing that we we just relish in what we get we don't we don't put any sort of expectation um we get what we get and we just know that we're continually getting better it's never obvious but when it is like when it finally is sometimes we have to recognize that applaud that and not make too big of a deal about it either because it can be for him it's a little embarrassing to be plotted in ways that he's just living life, right? Like he's, okay. he realizes he's doing these things. And to him, sometimes, I mean, we, it's a balance. Sometimes he does need that recognition of, yes, you can do hard things. And other times he's just like, I just did it. Like, it's no big deal. Let's <laughs> moving yeah. on. Right. So, yeah. so, and, you know, in parenting, typically developing children, there's a balance between the independence and the dependence, but it sounds like for parenting a special needs child, it's the same exact way you still have to balance that. It's different in the sense that milestones are very different Mm -hmm. for, and every, every special needs child is different, right? Sam does not define Mm -hmm. anybody else. He he is his one person. And so when you're a special needs mom, it doesn't mean that you have necessarily anything in common with any other special needs Mm. mom other than the fact that you're both parenting a child with different needs than maybe their sibling or the neighbor but my typically developing child has different needs than other typically developing children do as well right so there's not this there can be a bond in that like there's that common thread um and perhaps if he had diagnoses that were more common maybe I would feel that like bond but I'm not, I, I don't really meet a lot of people that have um, those same things. And, and I, that's okay too. Cause I think sometimes comparison can be kind of the thief of joy. hundred percent. Yes. <laughs> so agree. Um, I have learned that over the years as well, that 
parent moms, parents hover, you know, helicopter parents, whatever you call them, can be regardless of whether you are the uh, the star athlete or the star special athlete. Right? Mm-hmm. There still can be that um, mom competition of mm-hmm. like, oh, so your kid can't do this. Well, guess what? My kid can't do that. <laughs> or um, okay. okay. Oh gosh, um, I can't imagine you engaging in that. Is that is that something that intimidated you, or is that something that you were just like? I don't really have time or energy for, or was it kind right. of a mix? Yeah. I just don't. I, um, I tend to trust the way I parent with mm-hmm. my kids and I don't really, you know, I don't mind reaching out to other people. I like talking. I, I am a communicator. I enjoy, mm-hmm. you know, authentic relationships, but you do you all do me. If I see something that someone's doing that I, you know, applaud or want to know more about, um, same. If someone's curious about the way I'm doing something, I'm happy to share, but I don't, my kids, my kid, your kids, your kid. I parent the way I do. Like, yeah, I see that play out in your relationships with your kids for sure. I mean, I don't think you'd have the bonds with Maggie and Sam that you have. I love them. And I accept, I fully accept that they both have their own dreams and their own goals and they should. And if he was typically developing, I know his goals and dreams would be different, but they, they're still his and I value his opinion. I mm-hmm. trust what he wants to accomplish. He works harder than anybody I know. He may not be the fittest, the fattest or fastest rather, mm-hmm. the fittest, fastest person uh, in his school, but he is definitely got the most school spirit. He is the most involved. He spends countless, countless hours um, lifting other people up. He is so uh, compassionate and full of empathy and just um, spirit. He's just such a a joyful child, young man, soon to be adult. Uh, And I couldn't have handpicked a better child. I mean, he's just, he's amazing. And so there are days, there have been days, there, there aren't so many days anymore, but there were days where it was tiring, exhausting, when he finally could speak, it was um, building confidence and communication. So he would ask, and, and toddlers will do this, and he wasn't a toddler, but the same question over and over and over and over and over and over again. And it wasn't that he necessarily didn't know the right answer. He just knew we were talking. And that was a comfortable question. So for a while, it was like underwear, what color underwear you wear today? I'm wearing blue. What color underwear are you wearing today? Red. Okay. What color under? Well, I'm still wearing blue. <laughs> oh, interesting. Yet you're still wearing red. Yes. And so it was building that comfort. You know, we think about like kindergarten students every day. We sing the days of the week song. We put up the mm-hmm. calendars that wrote. Well, when he was in kindergarten, he was just, he couldn't speak. He was mm-hmm. still just sort of taking it all in. So that repetition of those types of songs that we sing and the calendar skills we do, he didn't get that then. He got it much later mm-hmm. and that could be, it got exhausting. You know, you're trying to get ready for school. What you do today. My class has art today. What me do today. Your class has PE today. What Mimi's class do today. Well, Mimi's class has music. And then over again, what you do today. Oh God. I was, yeah. Stop talking. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. As but, we all do with our kids, you know, sometimes right. we're just like, <laughs> and then I had to remind myself and I still do. He still can just go on and on and on about something. And I don't always understand it. I have mm-hmm. to ask him to repeat himself. And there's still are times I'm like, oh, can we just stop for a moment? Mm-hmm. Um, but then I, I think back and I do this daily. I think back to when I just wanted him to be able to speak mm-hmm. and 
and he does. Physicians, his therapists, doctors didn't know if he ever would speak. They didn't know if he would ever talk. The geneticist said when we were given his genetic diagnoses, we know nothing about this. And so you have two choices. You can choose to limit him and say, you know, this is as much as he can do. He's not going to accomplish much. Or you can say, we don't know what he's capable of. We don't know how far he's going to go. So you, you decide, you get to choose his fate. We're not giving you any sort of like, oh, children with this have a life expectancy of, we don't know. Children with this tend to do this. We don't know. So that's a pretty optimistic view of mm-hmm. the, from the geneticist. I like that she did, or she or he did that. That's wonderful. Well, the genetic counselor, the genetic counselor, pretty, okay. um, <laughs> genetics were just very like, here's what you got. Okay. Goodbye. <laughs> that lines up a little bit more with what I was thinking. But, um, one thing I love that I heard you say was that we can't always respond to the action of a person, we have to respond to the why of the action of the person. So he was asking the same question over and over. He was looking for comfort. He was, or he was really happy that he could do this thing. So he just did it over and over again. And so you know, recognizing that we do what we do because it's muscle memory and it's habit and it's brain work, but there is there are so many reasons behind why we do what we do. And I think as humans, and especially as parents, as we're raising these developing brains that we pay attention to, why is my child trying to stand on a chair and reach the very top of something that, you know, is probably unsafe? Oh, because they want to help feed the cat. And that's where the cat food is. And this is how they're solving the problem. So um, and then what like- can you as the parent do to make that an easier task, a safer task, Mm -hmm. or an achievable task. Like that's something we've had to really, really do as a family is change, change the expectation in a way that he can be successful. Mm -hmm. So he wants to help, right? But if I had the food in a place that he couldn't reach it, he wouldn't have had, he still doesn't have the ability to climb on a chair, nor would he, he would be terrified mm-hmm. um, that he would fall. So he wouldn't help, but he would want to help. So mm-hmm. how can I as a parent make that something that he can do? So that's still something that we focus on often. How can we get him to be involved in this? How can we find success in that for him? Not limit what he can do, just mm-hmm. change the do so that it can be done. Yeah, I love that. So much of parenting is rearranging our expectations of ourself and then of our environment, you know, because we just naturally think of how we, we naturally think how we think. And then Mm -hmm. we don't, even with our children, we don't automatically consider what they need and what would be better for them. And so when we recognize it, then we can shift it. It's beneficial for everybody. So it's, it's an, it's a never ending. He's, just uh, less than a year ago, we did a full bathroom remodel for him. Things that you wouldn't actually think he would need, but as soon as that bathroom was free for him to use, it was the first time in 17 years that he 100% independently went into the bathroom, said to me, pass me in the kitchen and said, I take a shower now. And he turned on the water by himself. Like that, just the act of turning on the water with a knob that made sense to him. I, I don't, I don't still really understand what the difference is in this knob versus the former so knob, interesting. but yeah. he, he did it independently. There were handrails. We made a zero entry entry into the shower mm-hmm. and he is footed. He is fairly sure footed now. He's had uh, significant surgeries. Mm-hmm. We've done castings. We did all the orthotics. 
we have had surgeries, multiple surgeries on his feet. Um, and he does get around well, but he will never feel comfortable stepping over into, and that was always very scary for him. The floor itself, like the tile that we chose for the floor, it had been just a shower insert. And once we tiled that and gave him tile with grout lines and made sure they were smaller tiles, so there was a little more texture, nubbiness for his feet to kind of hold, he stood there by himself. We put handrails and a seat. And for the first time, he was able to wash his lower extremities. As a mom, 17 years of of bathing your child, um, I don't mind. I find joy in that. I am thankful that I'm able to to care for him, but I celebrated. <laughs> I was yeah. so proud at 17 when he was able to do that independently. And um, a little bit of me warned it, right? Like, oh, he's sure. yeah. <laughs> yeah. do that by himself. He had that confidence all of a sudden because we were able to make modifications in a way that made him successful. And there are other other bathroom things, other things that he is able to find success in mm-hmm. with modifications that, you know, maybe aren't appropriate for talking about. But parenting, again, your expectations change. What you do for a two-year-old who's potty training, you don't expect to continue to do for a, a teenager who mm-hmm. is not potty training, but just can't do it on their own. And that's okay. Yeah. It's, um, yeah. Need help? Help them because... They're yours. You, you do. Yeah. Did, with oh, this absolutely. gift. And of course, yeah. what do you, yeah, you don't have a choice. So, but it is just, it's an honor. It's like, I feel very, I just feel honored to be his mom. Oh, <laughs> he's um, he's such you, a good boy. Yeah. He is so kind. He is so lovely to watch on your pictures and your videos. And what did you rely on all these years for energy? for the character traits that you wanted to display, whether they came naturally to you or not, you know, the patience, the kindness. I mean, you know, I know he's your child and you love him very much. Also as moms, we just get tired. Um, So what did you rely on for the problem solving and for the energy and for all that jazz? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, I have good support system. Like, I have a husband who's willing to step up and co-parent, right? It doesn't, it seems like a a duh, they should, but I know not everybody has that. And so, um, and he is gone a lot. He works 48 hour shifts. And so I often have no choice, but to to do it because he's not there. I don't always have that partner, but I know in an emergency I have him. So that's, that's one thing I have that dependence that I know I have a partner. I have um, parents. My mother is one of Sam's very best friends. I mean, like during this whole um, pandemic, she stepped right in and and he was able to stay with her for months at a time, really. And like knowing I have her and before my dad got sick and, and passed, we had him. My mom and dad were just, they, they love, love, love my children and they get my son. They understand that he has differences, but that they are um, okay, right? And I get that yes. too. Like not everybody has that, not everyone has a, a strong family support. And so I feel very fortunate and I get a lot of strength and energy from that, just knowing that I have them to depend on. And my daughter, so I mean, this thing, it's just people's family. So my daughter is only 27 months older than him, but she has an old soul. She has been a caregiver for him. She is my best friend. She's so supportive and, and, realistic, right? So if I'm having a a panicky, emotional time, Mm -hmm. she can ground me. She is much more um, focused and um, doesn't 
get as concerned about the hubbub around her. Mm -hmm. She can focus. And so Mm -hmm. she's good at helping me get focused and carving some time out for myself. That's very helpful to me, whether that is um, taking a bath, reading a book, Mm -hmm. going for a walk, getting in the car and just driving. Yeah. Cuddling your dogs. Your dogs are cuddlers, aren't they? They are. They're golden retrievers. retrievers. Yeah. They're um, one of our former goldens that we adopted from another family that was Mm -hmm. trying to get rid of them, get rid of her. She was, um, she was too attached. He was a, he trained dogs and she was supposed to be the family dog. But he was like, she's a Velcro dog. She's always stuck to me and I can't train because she's right there and I'm not trying to train her. I just want her to be in the house with the kids, but the Velcro dog, that's exactly what they are there. If you come to my house wearing Navy or black, (laughs) you're going to leave some golden. Yeah. Just a little. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. that's beautiful. What gifts, right? Those are all such gifts. So you are moving into kind of a new phase of parenting Sam. With yeah. him turning 18. Yeah. yeah. You want to talk so, a little bit as much as you're comfortable. Talk about yeah, that. Yeah, it's fine. I, 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 you know, I can talk forever. So yeah, he will be 18 again at the end of this month. And so we are forging into some new territory and I'm the kind of mom, right. That I, I get very um, kind of fixated on the here and now. And so um, when he is needed into this particular therapy, I know all about it. I get mm. I know what's going on okay. um, when he's transitioning from elementary school to middle school. I'm all in it, right? I'm mm-hmm. advocating for the right fit. I'm, I'm getting him involved. I'm making sure that he is finding a purpose and finding his niche. Same thing when we went to high school. And so now that he is turning 18, he'll continue in high school. He's technically a senior this year, but in the state of North Carolina, he is eligible through special education services to stay in school until he is 21. And we will do that. And it's not so much the academic side to me. Um, academically, Sam is reading a pre-primer level. He is still learning to identify coins um, and value of coins. We are not doing money math as far as like, if you have $12 and 50 cents and you spend $7 and 10, we're not there. Mm -hmm. We just need to like identify values. So the academics are important. He will, he will get what he gets Mm -hmm. as a teacher. That might sound shocking to people, but he he will get what he gets. And I am not stressed out about it one bit. I'm not going to sit here and like make him learn how to do these things. Yes. That seems cool. Sure. Yeah. Um, but while he will stay in for 21 years or till he's 21 is because of that social involvement. He is highly engaged. He assists with the basketball team. He assists with the cross country team, the tennis team. He is a part of the baseball team. He is picking up things he can do for football. Last year, he did the football laundry. He helped wash um, the jerseys and pants and then get those hung back up in lockers. He goes to Every softball, volleyball, any game he can be at, he's at. And during the pandemic, if games were being played, but you couldn't go, he watched them live stream. He would have multiple screens set up to to be a part of that. And so we will keep him in school this whole time, as long as we can for that involvement. And that's a different outlook that I didn't think high school would give him. I didn't know that he had that ability to become a part of such a strong community and it's not no fault it's I'm not blaming kids I, I love kids and he has some great kid friends there are some kids out there that truly 
everyone likes him. He's likable. Mm -hmm. And he does have some kids who like him, like him, like they hang out with him. They text with him. They engage and value what he has to offer. He's not just a cute kid or a fun kid or like the token cool kid who's a part of the team. He's yeah. their friend. Um, but the coaching staff, those guys, right? They're kids at heart, perhaps, but they love him like a brother. They they pick him up in the morning. They bring him home at night. He spends, when I say hours, I'm saying like 12, 13 hour days with these men um, on buses, going to away games, going to meets across the state. He is a part of the team on the coaching side. Like they, that is beautiful. It's beautiful. It's, yeah. And they give him tasks where he has like the, um, the clock, like the practice clock for basketball. They give him very specific lists of what to set the clock to. And then, um, and what that they, they do put like what that's for, whether it's a dribbling 30 seconds, shooting 30 seconds, whatever. Mm -hmm. And he checks that little list off and resets the clock. And so they give him things that have meaning, have purpose. It might be easier for someone else to just do it, but they're making a point to include him and find success, have success for him. Yeah. He, he takes it so seriously. Like if we have a doctor's appointment, he gets mad because he needs to be at practice. No one else will be there to do what he's doing. Yeah, um, I love so that. Yeah. yeah, it's really neat. And then we're also, we just had to go to the, through the court system. We had to become his guardians and that's been a, a process that I knew was coming, but mm -hmm. it was intimidating. The court system can be intimidating. It's just one wrong box. You, you mess everything up. Sure. And, and so that's a process that was not hard, but a just, I'm so proud, right? There's that accomplishment that I feel like he's broke all these milestones and he's done these things on his timeline. Um, yet at 18, if we don't have guardianship, he becomes an adult and he becomes responsible for the things adults are responsible for. And he doesn't have that ability. And so it's our responsibility as his parents to um, continue to be responsible for him. And so there's this ugly word in the court system that we had to declare him incompetent. Mm -hmm. And it's just a word on a box, right? Incompetency hearing. Um, and it's just a word, right? <laughs> words, words matter. And, and from it, your frame of reference, he's anything but. Correct. Mm -hmm. Correct. Um, and luckily there's boxes there that help you you know, would he be able to um, know if someone was taking advantage of him? No, mm. he wouldn't. If you said you needed 10 bucks and he had 10 bucks, he's going to give you his 10 bucks. He wouldn't know that you had any, anything but good intentions for that. He, mm. He's trusting and supportive and kind. And so boxes like that, you know, could he um, go to the post office, open a bank account? <laughs> would he? No, he, he, right. he could not. Yeah. Right. So yeah. Well, that's good then that you can use those very concrete examples, you know, so that you don't have to just say, yes, my son is incompetent. So please give Correct. me guardianship. These are the examples. And then when you went to court for that, were you able to share all of his milestones and his achievements? through Yes, yes, yes. Good. And um, the court assigns him a guardian at Latin, so an attorney mm -hmm. essentially who is representing his interests. And he came to the house and met with us and met with Sam and, and his statement was Spot on, right? He only met with us for a short period of time, but what he put on his document spoke volumes and it just really was a testament to what a great kid he is. And um, there was a misspelling and I had to go back down to the courthouse um, a few days later when I noticed they had misspelled a name. The woman who heard our trial, she was not a judge, but one of the um, clerks 
he was there. And so she was no longer in her formal, you know, role of hearing our, our hearing, but mm. just an informal setting of handing me a document. And she made a point to just, she was just very complimentary of our family and our son. And um, something that made me feel really proud is she said, you know, he, he would not be where he was today if he had not been entrusted to your care. She said, I can see that the goals, um, I'm paraphrasing, but the things that were in his report from different positions, like that we had the documentation. Mm-hmm. The, the things I read in his report versus the young man that I saw sitting before me, he has you know, done so much. And she said, you know, you can always come back down and change this guardianship if there reaches a day where he can take care of these things. She said, this isn't an end all be all. We don't know. <laughs> Same thing like that geneticist, that genetic counselor said way okay. back years ago. She said, you don't know where his story ends. Look at what he's accomplished so far. You don't know what he has yet to do. So mm-hmm. that was a question. Do you have to revisit this guardianship every so often or we he he could. He could mm-hmm. petition for it. Somebody else could. They mm-hmm. could say, like, oh, I've got some concerns here. Yeah. Um, so we can, but it's not it's not something we have to continue. Well, you have spoken so beautifully about being a mom, being a mom and tending to the needs of your children and a child whose needs seem so much different, but really the way that you put them into perspective is it's just different. It's just like any child would need something different than any other child. Right. And he gets, I think something I've, I've made a point as a, as a parent, and I, sometimes I feel guilty. Sometimes I feel like I recognize some of his things more than I I do necessarily my daughters. And I I have to put Mm. that aside. Right. But he gets so enthusiastic when something, something that we all tend to take for granted happens. Like he, he had a friend who, one of those kid friends who was invited him to a sleepover, right? This was a few years ago, but he'd never been invited to a sleepover. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. it's just something that you take for granted. Mm -hmm. And so maybe my daughter had that same excitement at one point in her life when she was, you know, three or four Mm -hmm. or five, you know, Um, and maybe I've just kind of forgotten that like overjoy feeling. But when he got that invite, he was probably 14, right? And it was like, got me happy. He was so happy. And it just, you can't, fake it with him. He's when he is happy, he is happy and you can't help, but be happy too. Mm -hmm. So he's so happy. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, He invited a girl to the Tim Tebow night to shine from and Mm -hmm. he on his own. Like I didn't, I was upstairs, you know, teaching. And after Mm -hmm. standing there, I'm still teaching a child in China and he's standing in front of me, like just so excited. And as soon as I said goodbye, he was like, yes, yes, yes. I'm like, what do you, what, what? Yes. And, um, you know, this young lady has said, yes, that she would be his date to the yeah. night to shine prom. And oh, so excited. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, again, he, there are things that he won't do and that's okay. He won't ride a bike. That's okay. Mm-hmm. He won't drive a car. That's mm-hmm. okay. I celebrated those things when my daughter got them done mm-hmm. and we celebrate the things that he gets done. He got a real ID. He couldn't get a driver's license. Right. But mm-hmm. when he got that real ID, we took the picture at DMV and he was proud. Right. Yeah. So even though it doesn't meet the milestone that every other mom is posting over their child with mm-hmm. their driver's license, um, mm-hmm. he was proud. And so I took a picture of that, the guardianship hearing, he was proud. So we took a picture of that. Like we, yeah. we capture those moments, even if they're not the norm, they're his yeah they're his pride yeah absolutely and it sounds like everybody could use a cheerleader like sam in their lives is that true 
something he loves and all I know it's been long but he he loves making these bracelets um now mind you my mom or I end up making them nine times out of ten but they're just like the little beaded bracelets that are on cord with people's letter or names to spell out Mm -hmm. their names he loves 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 them I mean he Mm -hmm. makes them or has us make them for Mm -hmm. so many people it's almost like when I see people walking around and I notice it, or I see a picture on social media and I see it, that those are his people. And it's, it seems like such a simple thing. It reminds me of like when I was in middle school and people were making friendship bracelets and he just takes so much pride in like giving a gift. He loves to mm-hmm. give them gifts. He loves to take photos with people. And then I have to go to CVS and print them. And he loves to give them that photo of, of them. And um, thank you cards. He loves to give people cards. Like he's a giver. He just loves to feel special and yeah. um, he makes me feel special every day. Yeah, that's beautiful. And that's so much to learn from. Well, thank you so much. This has been so delightful and I'm so happy to have you as a guest. The last question I have for you is because the podcast is called Praise Through It. What is praiseworthy for you today? I thought about this because, you know, I listen and I know you all <laughs> <laughs> Um And so... I, what's praiseworthy to me every day is a sunset. We love chasing sunsets. We, I don't care if we're on vacation and we're catching the sunset on the water, or if we're just in our backyard, catching it filtered through the trees. Um, I think it's such a, a awesome opportunity to just pause and see that, that mad majesty and like how, no matter, no matter what's going on in the world, right? the day will come to an end and a new day will begin and it's always a little different but it's always beautiful and it always shows up right it's dependable it's reliable it's it's just a time to kind of reflect on what you got accomplished that day and what what the new day you know will will hold so I think it's praiseworthy we can't replicate All right, that wraps up today's episode of Praise Through It Together. I am so grateful for Robin and her kindness and her graciousness in sharing her story and her family's story with us. So we have a few more of these left. Make sure you're following along so that you don't miss them the next few weeks. We're just rolling right towards fall, aren't we? So we'll see you next week for one of the last episodes of Praise Through It Together. Happy August!